Do you want a cash-flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom? Sunsets and palm trees on your terms. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started with no money or credit and quickly grew a multi-million dollar portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you much. Hope we can chat and share some nuggets here. Yeah, it's always good to bring just kind of some new ways. And really, this is not a new way we're going to talk about today, I think, has been around for a long time, but not everybody understands the value of really getting into owner financing or doing deals without banks, right? And doing it with multifamilies and that it actually can happen. So before we get into that, though, your backstory, where you're from and how you got what you got, let's kind of build that up and then we'll go into what we want to talk about today. Yeah, I'm coming up on 31 years, so I'd put them to sleep if I told them everything, but I'll give you like a 10,000 foot view and then you can unpack it if you want. So I started in the building world. I was never a builder, but I partnered up with one and We did everything without knowing it in my 20s. We did everything on terms, literally. I didn't use banks back then. After that, I bought a realty executives franchise, had never been a broker owner, did that, sold it to Coal Banker in 2000. And then from 2000 to the crash, I was coaching people throughout US and Canada and doing my own deals. And unfortunately, took a whole bunch of bank loans out. And then the crash came and I had a lovely time from 08 to 12. But then why I'm here, what we're doing today, my son-in-law, Zach, my son, Nick, we buy everything without banks. And you and I are going to talk about owner financing, but we also do lease purchase and sub two. I love those, especially right now with the interest rates going up. So we do that without taking out bank debt and worrying about that when I go to sleep at night anymore. So it's quite different. We control about typically about 60 to $80 million in property and have put little to none down on those properties. So we can dive into any part of that. When I say we, I meant the family and the team and we're in New England. And then we coach that and do deals with people all over the country, east to west coast. Yeah, awesome. Love it. So, well, let's just go to the premises of what that looks like. So what does your typical deal look like, kind of multi-side that you take over? And how do you find them? How do you structure them? Just, just walk us through like a process, a typical deal. Yeah. And again, you can unpack it further if I go too short. So on a financing side, we actually niche it down to free and clear owners. It's quite an interesting list, especially in this market because they're presumably not screwed up financially or stressed because they would have taken uh, their properties already, right? It's a really cool group to fish in. Like this building I'm sitting in right now, it's a multi-commercial unit, commercial building, multiple tenants in here, not just my companies. And the gentleman selling was free and clear. And I structured an owner financing, never touched a bank. I broke the rule and did put money down. And I did a hybrid of a deal because usually I'll structure a deal with principal-only payments, believe it or not, like 95% of them, principal-only. And this guy was a big investor, largest landowner here on the island where we live. And he said, principal-only, he actually said, I read your book. I appreciate it, but I don't do that. I said, okay. He wanted interest. I said, let's do this. Let's structure a win-win here. We did no interest for 18 months. So I hammered down principal. And then after that, we took the balance and amortized it and he got his way and I got my way. That's a hybrid, but still, you won't get that kind of pay down in principle ever. And that's why we structure them that way. Now, we tip this guy was selling and advertising owner financing, but typically we don't find that. We buy a list for free and clear, and we can stipulate any amount of units in the building, which is pretty cool. You can niche down to as much detail as you want. And then we have virtual assistants call them first, make sure they're at least open to a call from us. So we're not just blindly looking for a needle. And then we get on the horn with them. We know our metrics. If I get on the horn with 17 
of those leads I get handed by a virtual assistant, I got an appointment. And by 25 of those, I got a building or some kind of property under contract. Oh, wow. That's great. That's like fishing from a pretty much a nice source of uh, probably untapped. Like the thing is because they're willing to be creative, right? Creative is the way you make money, especially in today's market right now. Yeah. Big time. You know, what's cool about the free and clear people. They want their price. Like that's their issue. Call it ego, call it whatever, but they want their price. Like this guy, I paid him his price. I could care less because I got all that principal pay down in the first 18 months. So I'll even go, I'll make up a number, but let's just say my payment is four grand a month on this building. I don't care if I added 12 or 16 grand to his price in a few months, I get that back. So that's all they care about. And if I get my term, I'm good with it. I got a 20 year term on this one. Yeah. So getting your term and getting all the other pieces are way more important. And every deal is a little different, but if you can get one without putting much of your money in to the deal as well, now you're swinging for the fences. It's infinite return at that point. Yeah. you know, I did a tiny one in the multi-world. I did a six unit. And the gentleman, his dad died who had built it, but he lived in it. And he traveled to Canada so much that he didn't want to run it anymore. We did that one with no money down owner financing, principal only payments. And then I remember bringing my son-in-law to the closing and he was blown away because he was new with me then. This was like in 14. And uh, we walked away with a check for about, I think it was 11 or 14 grand because we timed it like on the second or third of the month, right? So the rents were all due. So, and that was in an IRA to top it off. So that was a pretty cool deal, small, but good. Everybody listening now, like why would people do these types of deals? Why do you like, I think that there's some of the new people that are maybe not understanding like, why do people do that? Yeah. Right? Why yeah. wouldn't they just do a normal, I want to sell my property, I want to list it, I want to get the most bang for my dollar. Why don't they just go a traditional route? Why would they accept something that's not traditional? Typically on the term side versus just cashing out, it's estate planning and or tax planning. This gentleman sadly passed away about eight months ago. And maybe he knew he was sick because he specifically screamed and said, do not refinance it. Like, I don't want to be cashed out. He wanted his wife and his kid to have a check. His kid's an adult. But so estate planning and tax reasons for sure. He didn't want them to run a building, but he wanted them to have the income. Other reasons would be they were challenged with getting the price on the market like the gentleman that his dad died. At the time, the market wasn't as good. He couldn't get his price. I paid him exactly what he asked for, but did it. Principal pay down crazy over four years. I think we brought back in the coffers, no money down, 116 grand on that little building. So, explain to us a little bit what your principal pay down method. So, what does that really truly look like, right? So, yep. give us an example of that. Let's use that building. I'm going from memory, but I'll be super close within 50 bucks. That building was about 300 and something thousand dollar purchase. Again, small building. The monthly principal only payments, I think we did at like 1100 or 1300 a month. But all of it goes to principal. Even if you're new to listen in real estate, take out a loan, you got pennies going to principal at the beginning, even with the good rates. So all of that went to principal the entire term with this guy. Whenever you make your rate or you're structuring your note, right, for this deal, you're saying, hey, listen, here's our payment, but 100% of this payment is going towards principal. Yeah, my script's a little bit lighter, so you don't like throw a red flag on that, right? It's okay. We agree on 300. I'm going to make monthly payments against that until we have a balloon payment due on X year. And those are usually renegotiable down the road, but this guy needed to get cashed out. So we only did a four-year deal with him. And so it's a four-year owner finance and the balloon at the end, what does that usually look like? Well, I saw so two options in four years. I had three options. I called them up and my first option would have been to extend it because I improved the building to the point where it was just no brain our management company running it, nice cash flow. He said, no, 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 I got to have closure for the state reasons and other reasons I need closure. So, okay. 
So option one gone. Option two, just refinance it myself, right? And keep it. But I just, again, I'm averse to taking bank loans out since the crash. And that little building was not worth me, wasn't going to be one of the exceptions, certainly. So refi it, renegotiate it, we'll sell it. And we ended up just selling it. And again, bringing in like a little over six figures on that little deal for not even four years. I'm totally getting where you're, where it's structured too. So this is the beauty of this, right? So like, I'm going to buy it on terms for you for four years and I'm going to have a way to get you out. But usually the out is, hey, let's extend this, right? If they can. Sometimes you got to prepay some principal, but that's great too. It's okay. But it's all negotiable at that time, at that point. But while you're making the payments in between, all you're doing is paying down the principal tremendously, yeah. right? Which So then when you do go, if you're going to go refinance with a bank, you're in a great position LTV-wise. You have no more money. You don't have to come up with any money to get the loan. Absolutely. You know, it's cool because when you're in a position like that, like you just said, like I did consider refinancing this building and breaking my rule up because I just considering cash up. In the bank, about two weeks in underwriting, I just got annoyed. I have no patience for the bank. I said, forget it. I don't need it. So you have so many options when you do that. And to your point, it's a little bit of the word recession resistant too, right? People are worried about the market. Who cares with the market if you have the right term on your building? Yeah. When you're paying all, when all of it goes down to principal for that first four years, who cares? Right. Yep. The difference yep. is because like, I mean, you, anybody listening to this, you know what a normal payment looks like. It's called pennies go to principal. Everything yeah. goes to interest. You're not moving the needle at all for your property in the four years that you're owning. And when you're making, when all that money goes to the principal for that short period of time, you are massively paying down the balance. It's going to give you way more options, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And you can do it. You and I were talking before we started the show. I was reading Anderson Cooper's book recently. His family is the Vanderbilt. And he talked about six in the 1600s, the book talked about in the 1600s, owner financing and lease purchase deals in New York City on large buildings before banking. This is not new. You just got to get your arms wrapped around how to structure. And once you understand how to structure deals, you can operate in any market. Yeah. Our banking system is the one that tried to screw us on that piece, right? Saying, hey, you got to go get a bank loan. But before banking was really liquid like that, it was done on terms from buyer to seller, right? 100%. Like, and yep. so it's interesting that I think about these lists, there's got to be, I mean, in every market, and you're talking not only just single family homes or quads or whatever, like your commercial building. Exactly. And I got to also think there's a certain amount of people that just get tired, right? There's actually, there's a tired landlord list you can buy now. It's easy. Yeah. So I'm running a commercial building. I have two tenants that moved out. I don't even want to do the work. I own the thing free and clear. Someone calls me and says, hey, let me take this off your hands. You're like, dude, that's all I want, right? Just yep. give me some terms that make sense. I get maybe a cash out down the road. They're just like wanting to solve the immediate problem. They don't even want to do the work to put in new tenants. Yep. Tired landlords, good point of yours and a big list for the listeners. Yep. And where do you normally try to get your list from? Well, we use PropStream and FreedomSoft now because we have the software. But when I started back in the game after the crash, I just bought it. I think back then I bought it from Melissa Data. I mean, this is a cheap, cheap, cheap. And if you want a smaller list, then like you and I talk in general, but if, if they want a smaller list, you literally can niche down anything you want in these lists. Like you can get a, people that wear pink underwear on Tuesdays from three to four. Like you can do as tight as you want on the niche list. Right. And then you just have a team and a process that you built to do the minutiae, do the work, right? Which is the smiling, the dialing, the calling, 
doing that sounds like a lot with the VAs in the, in the beginning until you have a, more of a verified lead that demands you now high level someone like you or someone in your staff is going to make that call, right? Yeah. And when you make that call, like I still do calls to stay current for my students. I like to just stay on the cusp. Mostly our acquisition people, we call my seller specialists are doing them. But when you do the call, people say to me, you got to convince them. Like, how do you convince them? It's the same reason people go to attorneys, auto bodies, dentists to fix things. Like, you're just trying to solve a problem that they can't solve or accomplish a goal that they can't accomplish conventionally, like the guy bought this from. It's not always negative. It's mostly positive. I just want my price, right? I need to get this price. That was in his mind, right? So give me yep. my price. And then you're like, okay, no problem. I'll pay you the price, right? But yep. here's the terms that I need to make that work. And he's like, oh, that sounds good to me, right? I got my price. I give him this too, Corey. I give him, I say, look, you get a piece of paper. And if they don't, I give them vision. But I say, you get a piece of paper, draw a quadrant. So they draw an X. I got four variables in here. I got down payment. I got term and I have a monthly and I have your price. So I can't give you all four quadrants. So let's just talk and see what two, if you had to pick, are most important. We just have an open conversation. That's all this is about, open conversation. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. If you want to learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. Boom. And then from there, now we're negotiating. Yep. (laughs) Which is, once they go from that, once they pick the quadrant, it doesn't matter. Like, let's figure out a way to make the terms work. Yeah. You just got to both win. And if you both win, you're happy for 10 years, 20 years. You're not pissing them on at each other. Yeah. What happens? Do you get very many that will carry the whole thing all the way out? Or do they usually want an end period where something's going to happen? Well, I can't say I've done a 30. I've done 20s, 15s, and 10s, right? But I haven't done a 30. I don't know why. I, yeah. Maybe it's just my mentality with it. And maybe I'm closed off to that. But I think that they don't want some kind of closure. The only time we do have no end date is when we do a purchase subject to the existing financing. Then there's no end date. I do what I want with it. But owner financing, they usually want some closure. Yeah. So, but like, so not all of them are short term, like three or four years. A lot of times, hey, if you'll carry the whole thing for 20 years or whatever it is, and then you're just trying to put your principal pay down piece in there. So you're paying more towards principal all the way along, right? Yeah. And if they can't get principal only like this deal, you can do the hybrid like I did here. You can do even more of a hybrid. You can do principal only. Then you could take a low, low, low interest and tear that up yearly. And the sellers usually happy with that. Like they don't sit and do the math on that. They just go, oh, you're giving me interest. And then we tear it up. It's a huge saving. You're still hammering principles. But you're still hammering principles so hard. And yep. But you're doing it the opposite of what the bank does. Bank starts yeah. here and tears down. That's why nobody ever pays off anything. That's exactly right. Ever, right? Yep. Dude, that's a tremendous concept, man. Not new. Not- what does that do for your cash flow? Cash flow is awesome because depending on the building, but like even on a single family, you can do it because you're going to have cash flow throughout the entire deal and on the back end, entire deal and on back end. You're normally looking at, so let's say I'm assuming, well, your free and clear list, they don't have anything. They're free and clear. So do you feel like you normally buy, well, like one example you gave, you buy it at a higher price, but it doesn't matter so much, right? Yeah. I just assume that even if you pay higher prices for what, but I also think there's some people that, hey, you're still getting good deals on their building. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, we're never going to grossly able to pay. This guy was asking five fifty dollars at the time. Uh, this was an 18. It was kind of a wreck. My wife said, after 30 years, I don't know what you're seeing in this building, but she now looks back and says, oh, it's cool. So I just rehabbed it really real quick. I moved into it and I kept tenants in place. I got the place appraised at a little over 800000 about a month or two ago. I only sunk about, I don't know what I did. It was a lot of sweat equity with the teams, but hundred grand maybe. 
So great deal. But he thought he's getting all the money in the world. So I'm not saying gross sale would pay. I'm saying get creative. That's all. Yeah, no, exactly. Let's talk about markets now, what we're currently in and raising the interest rates. How yeah. is that affecting what you're doing and the strategy? So owner financing strategy, not much at all. But I'll tell you what I'd like to throw into the conversation here is because rates are increasing, there are buildings, there are properties in general in every class with lower interest rates dramatically in some cases than you're seeing now openly in the market. So I'm looking to grab those and we are to this day subject to the existing financing staying in place. So if you're brand new, all that means is I buy the property off of Corey, he's got a hundred unit building and he leaves the loan in place and I take over the payments, but it stays in his name. And those are being done by the thousands per month. All that is a big country. deal right now, especially when you're at 3% rate. Now we're at six, yeah. right? That delta is huge. So it's all about subject to, right? Yep. And now here's the other part of that. Sometimes it can work this way. It all depends on the bank. Can you get the owner to sell or carry the difference in the price? Right. And get creative with that. Exactly. We just did a deal like that. So we just bought a $40 million project. And because we were raising capital and getting a bank loan, but because the market started changing, it's like, wait a second, our capital wasn't coming as fast as we needed. So we had to call and like call the seller. Hey, listen, we need you to own a carry 2.6 million. And sweet. Yeah. And they said, yeah, because they knew like if they didn't do the deal right now, because we had a lock and everything was going to change if we didn't do the deal now. And so, so you guys listened and pivoted and took advantage in a good way. What was going on? It's simple. So it's stuff here. It's not brain science. I know there's so much of that available in the marketplace now. I think when markets are uncertain, creativity, people that are creative actually really can exploit markets really well. Yeah, this is good too. So let me comment on that. People say, I had nauseam here. People saying, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I've had a doctor friend say to me for three or four years, my wife, Kim and I, I'm just going to wait. There's one constant in real estate and that is it's going to constantly change, right? So I said it earlier, but you get really, really, really good at creative structures and you will buy in every market, not only buy, but you do much better right now with the market change. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's opportunity right now more than ever. Like, I just think whenever there's uncertainty, that's usually when everybody's a little bit nervous or afraid, that's when I should be doubling down and going to buying more. Double down is what I use all the time. Yep. Yeah. Right. Think about this. If we all had the foresight to, like, I started in that crash, right? It's 2009 when I went full time in real estate, but I was still new. If we come to another period like that in my lifetime where I'm at now, oh my God. I will push right. it all in so hard. I will do things. I will work back to like those three o'clock mornings. Uh, yeah. I don't even care, right? Because I know like if I did that for a couple of, just a year or two, I would be so blessed at the back end of that because when that market does change and it, and it always will, you'll be looking like you're pretty smart. Yeah. And as a listener, if there's one thing you get out of the, what Corey just said, because that was a strong statement, the confidence of you waking up in the morning knowing I know how to structure deals in any market, that is a cool thing. And you'll have fun with it. You won't stress. You won't feel like you're pushing a noodle. You won't feel like you're prodding people. You are going to have fun. I've also learned this too. And you probably maybe agree with me. Like if you hold real estate long enough, it doesn't really matter, right? That's what I meant by longer terms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody's timing the market, trying to buy and sell and flip real quick. Like that's a way to make money, but it's not a way to get rich. I think it's a job. Yeah, it is a job, right? And so once you get out of that mindset and that other place, you know, we all watch Flip This House. And when we first start in real estate, I think that's where we gravitate towards. And then you start learning these new concepts of like owner financing. Let me set up terms. Let me do things longer periods of time. When we put those things into practice, a lot of times, like people at my students too are like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm buying. I'm going to keep buying 
when the market's going to go down or it's going to go up, there's different ways I'm going to buy, but I'm going to still yeah. buy for my main reason is cash flow, right? Yep. In terms, right? I agree more. Yep. And then how many properties do you lose that cash flow during a down market? Usually none if you don't have to refi, if like you don't have a banking problem, right? And that's what you're saying, Chris, is you've taken the banking problem out of the equation. Yeah. And people say the opportunity is missed. I don't know, maybe, but here's a fact. No matter which way you go, you go with what I'm doing, you go with some bank. Okay. It's all good. The fact is that we all have a lane that we're comfortable in. And when I put my head in the pillow at night, it's different than after the crash because I don't care. There's nothing that's going to affect me. I just don't want to go there. And maybe it's that I'm 56 and I don't want to do it anymore. But the fact is, I don't think if you're young, you want to get stung with that either. So I would just be careful. Yeah, I totally agree. Right. So listen, I I mean, I've been using debt for a long time, but even our LTVs are changing. Right. So like I'm trying to buy a bigger LTV to be the fear of, you just don't ever want to be in a spot where someone can push and put your thumb on you. It's a horrible feeling and you just don't want to be that. One of the ways you can solve that is doing what Chris said is owner financing. Because let's talk about what happens in a down, like let's say you had an owner finance deal and our market goes really bad, right? Like all of a sudden you're having a hard time cash flowing. What do you do at that point? The way I do my properties, I wouldn't have a cash flow. But if I did, let's just chase that. I might renegotiate with the seller. And the reason is, without getting too deep into the legal, two things. One is I'm never signing personally. I just don't. It's another don't. It's just like I consider that the same as a bank. Why would I do that? If they're not comfortable with their property, then don't do the deal. And that's why I tell them, by the way, if you're not comfortable, don't do it. Secondly, depending on the building, there are some contracts will have a default agreement or renegotiate agreement where I can need it back to them. And there's some properties that the owners, to your story earlier, where that owner wouldn't want the property back. We're like, no, 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 no. I, then let's renegotiate. Let's figure something out that's going to be a win-win. I'm saying like what happens in that type of deal, and I put it in extreme there, for example, but most, not all, but most sellers are going to just be like, okay, we got to renegotiate some terms. I need to renegotiate for this period of time to get me through, get me out of this uh, you yeah. know, two-year, three-year window so I can get to the next piece, right? Which is what you want. And yep. so again, most people will try to find common ground. Sellers don't want their property back at that point. I can count, I think it was two properties, Corey, in the last, oh, eight years where we got to a term and I wanted to tweak it up a little bit. And they just said, absolutely not. And here's why I could have done morally and ethically, I cashed it out, but I could have tweaked it and they wouldn't have been happy the way I've set up my agreements legally. So you do the right thing, but you go to sleep at night knowing you have options. Yeah, that's the beauty of it, right? Is really having options. And sellers, when negotiating terms and conditions, everybody's way more open to figuring it out, right? And so when you talk about like the difference of where you were in pre-crash and going through that to say, hey, I don't ever want to be there again, the strategy you've lined out really makes a lot of sense in that angle that no matter what happens, I'm not going to get hurt. Yeah, I don't know if you agree with this, but I would say if you're a listener new or seasoned, Get a really good lawyer or legal team because in every market we're in with our students, literally every market, the biggest frustration they had was, I can't find an attorney that can do a sub two. I can't find an attorney that knows how to get creative. It was hard in some markets, others easy, but mostly frustrating. So we finally landed a title company slash big firm that has like 30 states coming. And we said, oh, bingo. But get a good law firm that understands the creativity. And it's usually not the large ones. It's usually the mid-sized to small. Are you ready for retirement? The majority of Americans are not. Failing Social Security and dated financial planning practices put strains on many retirees' finances. 
46% of Americans admit they are not taking steps to prepare for the likelihood they outlive their retirement savings. Luckily, it's not too late. Diversify your portfolio. At Kahuna Investments, we partner with passive investors to create award-winning communities families love to call home. To learn more about our company and our process, go to www.kahunainvestments.com and click the deal room. I will affirm that and put it in a big stamp, all right? Like, <laughs> listen, you either spend a lot of money on legal that doesn't get you anywhere, or you can find that right guy. When you find that right guy, you covet and you send that guy gifts, you make him happy, and because they do magic, they're magic people, right? They really can get egos. It's really understanding what your wishes are too. That's the best thing is those people will listen to you. Wouldn't you agree? Here's what I want to do. How do I need to make this in the legal jargon for this state to be able to do it? I had two attorneys tell my students, so I had to keep getting on the phone, maybe three, that he couldn't do a sub two in the state of New Jersey. And then we finally got the attorney who handled it and did it in about five days and said, oh, thousands of them are done in New Jersey. And this ski has invested that was so-and-so said, you can't do that. What do you mean? Just go find someone tells you you can't. Man, that is a true statement. And that is probably the cry of an entrepreneur. When people tell you no, it really doesn't mean no. It just means you need to find someone that understands to be able to say yes, or maybe, or let me do some research to figure it out. Because most of the times what you want has probably already been done before. You just got to find the guy that knows how to do it. Right. Success leaves clues. They're out there. Yeah. Just right on. All right. Well, so... I'm assuming that all the stuff we've talked about today, you teach. I do. (laughs) Yeah, no, I do. Of course I do. So 31 years of mayhem and and wins and losses. Yes, we teach that. Right. So what's the best way if someone was really saying, man, because I've heard stuff too in a lot of different ways, right? This is really different. It's really fun, right? In the multifamily side, I think it really creates some value to, I just know what's coming down the road. There's a lot of people that overpaid. There's a lot of people that maybe there's opportunity coming. And there's also a lot of people that own outright. They're now just the market's changed and sniffed. They want to get out for whatever reason. Who knows, right? Yeah. How do they get that education? What's the best way? I'm big on free, Corey, because I think there's so many cool, shiny objects in real estate. So do your research. Like, I'm not so naive to think you should do my lane, right? But after your free research, if you want to, great. I can't wait to talk to you. So for free, you can go to Wicked Smart Books, wickedsmartbooks.com forward slash multifamily legacy. And you'll get, it's not one of those offers where they go, you'll get my free book and you got to put your credit card in for shipping. We'll ship it. Our cost, you're going to get the hard copy, hardcover, a couple of our bestsellers. We'll probably throw some goodies in there. So all you can do is give us your name and address. We'll ship it out. Go through it. If you like it, you want to chat, let's chat. You can go do a free master's class. If you can deal with listening to me for an hour, it's free. It's online. Just go to smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class. Very simple. Yeah, that's huge, right? So thanks for giving out that book. That's huge. And to do it the way you just did is a testament to who you are, a real giver. Like we give away our books as well. I think it's the right thing to do. Like, listen, if you want some time to listen, you give away a book. Because in that book, it's going to be a lot of clues, right? You can read it, start getting things in your mind. And then I'm sure in the book too, there's also links and ways to move forward from that process as well, right? Yeah. And case studies and other people. So you don't have to just rely on one source. There's a lot, a lot of social proof that's going on in there that you can learn from. That's amazing. So as we kind of start to kind of wrap this up for today's episode, what books have you been reading lately? What have you read lately that's just really kind of turned you on? Like, hey, that's a great, that's a great read. You should pay attention. Two come to mind. They're two totally different too. Shoe Dog, I've done twice. 
Phil Knight. It's just credible book, business story, personal challenges. And then I just this morning, I work out and I listen to audibles or I'll sit on the bike and read a book. But this morning, I just finished Damon John's Power of Broke. I thought it was really cool. I didn't go into the book ex- that excited. I just did it because it was his book and I didn't understand what it was. But what he tells is stories that you and I and all the listeners know. We know the characters and the stories, like creators of amazing products and businesses. And he tells their broke story. It's incredible. And I just finished it this morning. I would highly recommend Audible or Written Book, Power of Broke. Power of Broke. I'm actually going to write that one down. That sounds like a fun read. I've seen Damon John in a lot of different places, but I've never read his book. Yeah, he just cues it up. The stories in it are just phenomenal stories. And again, some of the names are all of them you'll know. If you were talking to some of the newer or medium people that are listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them knowing what you know in the 30 years you've been doing this business? I've given this before, but I think it's more appropriate with this market. Here, three steps. And this is a check for the more season, but if you're new, this is it. In any business, let alone real estate, one, choose a niche or a lane you want to run in that you can get passionate about. Like if you like sitting on a computer and doing land deals, then God love you. But it's not my lane. So whatever lane you like. Second step. We just had a chat, an open chat about experience, right? Corey and I find someone in that lane, that niche that has enough experience where they've gone through at least two market cycles and probably some personal challenges because you are going to hit those. You're going to hit cycles and you are going to have just stuff hit you that that's called normal. So if you can lean on someone's shoulder, that's a win. So find the person or group or that morally, ethically, and business-wise you, you can relate to and they have experience. And third is a toughie. Put the blinders on for 36 months, no matter what happens, because this I'll try it and see if it works thing doesn't work. You can make money in real estate and like Corey said, you can create some serious wealth in some of the niches like we talked about, but you get to stick with it for 36 months. And when those curveballs come, you get to stick with it. If you do those few steps, you'll have a great experience. I actually promise you that one. Man, totally agree. Anybody that I've seen ever done a very high level of success in anything, forget about real estate, but just I'm telling you anything, they've sold yep. out relentlessly to that idea. And they went at it with such relentless passion that they could never see the obstacles. All they saw was the goal, right? And we're all going to hit obstacles, but that's, that is the challenge where you're saying making that commitment of three years, because you're going to have things that are not going to feel great along the way. But if you commit to it, your ultimate road is like, when you look back, you're like, hell dude, we climbed a little bit up the mountain, right? And it's usually a well, lot more than it. you thought. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Chris, hey, thanks for being an awesome guest. Really appreciate you on the show. Guys, listen, if you're out there doing real estate right now, there's lots of ways. This market is giving you opportunities to get out and go out and do something about it, right? Don't be afraid. Arm yourself with uh, knowledge, mentors, the people that you need in your life, and then go out with that relentless passion and make it your dream. Guys, if you do it, if you believe it, you can achieve it and your paradise is possible. 